Hello, everyone. This is Josh and Jen. Bear is safely quarantined at his home. Since we recorded this episode in October of 2019, the world has experienced a presidential impeachment, the finalization of Brexit, and the COVID-19 pandemic, which we experience today on the eve of the release of this episode. While editing this track for our V for Vendetta episode, I found the conversation took on even more of a tone for me, and, I imagine, it will for you as well. In many cases with our guests, we will stray away from the graphic novel's content and focus on the media as our touch points. If we get into the graphic novel in a spoilerish way, I will edit those parts out and or we will give a 20-second delay. That will not happen for this episode. After reviewing the content in this episode, we got together with Bear and agreed to put this quick statement out before the episode so none of our listeners go in unprepared. This episode is heavily political, and for those who are just a little sick of politics right now, you may want to wait until later to listen. While the graphic novel V for Vendetta was written by Alan Moore over 30 years ago, and the movie was released in 2006, both have far-reaching themes that can always be considered relatable. However, we found in listening to this episode, Quarantine in Our Houses and Working from Home, that perhaps Moore was hitting a little too close to home during this particular period. That is not to say we don't want you to listen, only that we want you to be prepared if you choose to listen now. I would personally say this is the best time to listen, but I'm just a little biased. Finally, I will say that you are not alone, though you may be physically alone. The uncertainty and anxiousness for the state of our world you feel is felt by the three of us as well as everyone across the globe. We're glad we can offer you some relief from this time, even if we do so through a framework that seemed a lot more safe just five months ago. From all of us at Graphically Novel, we want you to stay safe, healthy, and sane. We truly appreciate all of you tuning in, and we will do our best not to be so serious next week when we review The Boys. Are you fucking kidding me? Oh, God. You know what? I get to say it this time. Take it away, Vandello. Come with me, I'll tell a story that you might have heard before. Graphically novel, but the same old trouble. Villains always knocking at the door. Pretty pictures on the page, but nothing ever stays the same. Vest, voracious, verbose valor to our vampish Vandello! Which means, thank you, Vandello. I talk down to our audience. <laughs> we are Graphically Novel. My name is Josh Wasta, a.k.a. Fallout Fieri. And with me, as always, is the finger. That's dirty. The Lord High Chancellor. Oh, or Mr. Susan. It's Bear. <laughs> and with us for the majority, if not all, of this season is the lovely and talented Jennifer the Baronessa. Thank you. And I also get to introduce a guest today. I'm very excited to welcome David Harnois. Hey, that's me. Hey, that's you. David Harnois. I know that guy. <laughs> we are going to be discussing today V for Vendetta in the beginning of what will be our Alan Moore block. 
the more more, if you will. <laughs> more and more. Otherwise known as he hates everything that gets adapted of his work. Also true. Yeah. <laughs> but can you blame him? Right. And we'll get into that, but Watchmen, not bad. The new Swamp Thing, we're about halfway through uh, to this point, and it's starting to hit that we already lower hit curve. Yeah, yeah, so we'll see. We'll talk about Stay that Stay tuned, everyone. We'll be hitting that here in a couple of weeks. This is part of the more block where we'll be doing V for Vendetta. We'll be doing Watchmen and Swamp Thing, the new series. V for Vendetta... For those of you who have not read the comic, we're going to give kind of an overview because there are some key places that is different than the movie. Actually, all in all, the message in general, pretty close. This movie, along with The Crow, I think are two movies that the overarching idea is there, but they adapted it for the medium that it was going into very, very well. All the major notes that need to be there are there. But they streamline some things and cut out some fat because you get two hours to do a movie to simplify some things. But I think it also helps streamline the story and make things a little more relatable when you don't have 280 40. pages. I have the same opinion of this that than of the Spider-Verse where, like you were just saying, all the necessary story elements were there. And it put it into a more easily digestible format for somebody that doesn't want to spend... Yes like I did, four or five hours yeah. Oh, yeah. flipping through the graphic novel. And while it was a great read, we can just sit down, we can digest this in a couple of hours, we can have some popcorn, we can have some soda, and just have a good night. I will argue, though, that you can still see elements of this graphic novel in the movie. Oh, yeah. Whereas Absolutely. Into the Spider-Verse was a completely different story. This is true. Much better villains, as we talked about with the other graphic <laughs> novel. What is your first experience with comic books that you can remember? Well, it was in my dad's sock drawer. No. <laughs> oh, Penthouse comics? Yeah. <laughs> Playboy. Playboy had Playboy the best had, comics. Yes, they the did. No, no, no. Penthouse had amazing comics. Well, they had good ones, but Playboy yeah. spent the money. They were really better. Yeah, Playboy had better. I know as a kid, I'm sure I ended up getting some comic issues here and there for whatever mm. reason, but if we're talking about when I actually started getting into comics mm. it was sort of a twofold thing and it's been long enough that it's all sort of fuzzy in my head the two people that i really kind of have to point out are my friend osti and wasta because osti had his comic collection and i remember visiting him and i remember going over to his apartment and he had some of the frank miller all-star batman and robin but he also had danger girl which i ended up falling in love with oh that my god day scott campbell the original Danger Girl is just so much fun. But he also had the Absolute Edition of Batman Hush. And that's how I read Hush the first time. The thing I always say about Absolute Editions is that they are great home defense. Because if somebody breaks in and you hit them with one of those, they're going down. <laughs> <laughs> we have Sandman, the first yeah. volume, oh. that we will knock somebody the fuck oh, out. Oh, yeah. Like you should. Leather bound knock you out. Yeah. Glass. We'll yeah. knock you out with glass. Right? That classy. Uh, Wasta, at the time, was living above our comic shop. Limited edition, Cedar Falls, Iowa. 225 College Street. Oh, um, oh yeah, man, right. you know the address. Well, it's right next door to where I work, so there you go. that helps. Yep. Shout out to Rob Rogers. Hell yeah. But Wasta was living above there at the time, and I remember going over to your place one night, and I was reading some of the X-Force run mm -hmm. that was going on at the time, and I loved that series. That was one of the Marvel series that I was getting at the time when I was just sort of taking in whatever I felt like taking in. 
And that was actually one of the first things on my pull list was so that X-Force. was yeah that was x23 x23 wolverine wolfsbane and warpath wasn't domino in there for a little Later. bit yeah yeah but the initial yeah yeah was, was before yeah um but the, the storytelling they great. were the wet works yeah. of the x-men oh yeah it was so good the art was gorgeous for that <laughs> yep. for that series absolutely stunning and looking back i think i ended up selling it off because i just needed to make room in my collection but because at this point my reading is pretty much just all anything I read is DC. Like I ended up kind of hopping off the Marvel train uh-huh. uh, when I had to cull my pull list down. But if somebody was saying, "Hey, I want to read a Marvel book," I would point them to that X Force run, no doubt, because it was so good and the storytelling was a lot of fun and the team was great and a lot of it on that one was Wolverine and X twenty three because she's a clone of him yeah. and he adopted her as a daughter. And it was a lot of, you should not do the stuff that I have had to do, which is such a refreshing viewpoint. Yeah. We're talking about the things that kind of set the hook initially. It was, yeah, a combination of Batman and that run on X-Force. And at this point, most of what I read is Bat Family stuff. But yeah, we're talking about what got me in there. I think it was 2007, 2008 is when I can really say I got into that. And it's been a fun trip. I've read a lot of really fun things. I've read some kind of eh things. I don't collect singles as much as I used to. I had to shift over into graphic novels. Just They work much better on a bookshelf than trying to keep a bunch of short boxes around. Plus, you want right. to be able to actually read something. There's yeah. a title that I want to yeah. grab that went off the shelf. Yoink. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we've discussed that. Jen's first experience was Sandman 1 to 72 individual issues Ooh. i had a long box yeah now there is a certain Everybody sort of magic to there is it. and we discussed well, that too yeah and that was they were bagged mm-hmm. and boarded yep. so it was process it mm-hmm. was i had very religious pulled the book out and i had a, a marker that i stuck in between so i knew where yep. that one went and i could get the next mm-hmm. one you had to open it very carefully and pull it out. And I didn't wear gloves, but it was close. But you were treating them with the reverence they deserved. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Exactly. You look behind you and you see that that is Jen's case. Mm-hmm. And then my case is over your oh, other shoulder yeah. in the living room. The Gamut and Rogue mm-hmm. wedding edition. And then the first issue of Mr. and Mrs. Says the man wearing a Gamut t-shirt. Sure am. Thank you for yeah. explaining your love. Happy to. David, why don't you give us kind of an overview of why this comic book called to you? I put out a call for yeah. people that we knew to come and review. Of the list that you had put up when you had put out a call, I may have been the only person who said V for Vendetta. And I remember when the movie of this came out, I was in college. And it resonated with a lot of us when it came out. This was a yearly viewing sort of thing, at least for myself and some of my friends. I got away from it for a little bit, and I'm kind of getting back to making this and, like, The Crow sort of my one on Halloween, one on November 5th, my yearly movie-watching ritual. Especially, I think, with the climate today, the movie and even the source material hearken to people a lot more with the really, unfortunately, conservative political climate we have going on right now. And I know reading about Alan Moore's response to this, again, Alan hates everything more. Well, well, to be fair, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen is what did that oh, to yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. my point. Yeah. <laughs> to be fair. Yeah. One of his criticisms, and I think I can see where he's coming from, is the book, The Norse Fire Party, is much more outright fascist. Yes. Mm-hmm. They say that very explicitly. Yes. Like, has Mr. The, Susan. Yeah. Yeah, it is the High Chancellor that says, yes. I am we a fascist, fascist yeah. and what is wrong with that? Yes. 
Whereas Moore's criticism was the movie making it more of just neoconservatism, which I think the end of that thought is still fascism. When they're talking about what Norsefire has done in the graphic, they talk very explicitly about basically if you're not white, if you're not Christian, you go. If you're oh, not, you're not straight. Yeah, not right. heterosexual. Yeah, right. A couple of moments where there's pretty overt racism. The uh, N-word gets dropped at one point. Obviously, the whole conversation in the cell with the toilet paper under through the raffle yeah. is about a lesbian couple. Yeah. Amazing. Watching the movie, there were parts that I had forgotten, especially after reading the graphic novel. But the fact that that was taken out of the graphic novel to kind of highlight what was happening, you yeah. know, the themes of the book. I thought was extremely powerful. Yeah, and in the graphic, you get a little more breathing room. And with it being as long as it is, I think there was some talk of this getting adapted into miniseries, which I think would be great. You get a lot more breathing room, you know, you can explore things a lot better. But in the movie, they even, it's almost a throwaway, but they talk about the undesirables getting rounded up. Even Prothero's speech at the beginning, where he's talking about the homosexuals and Muslims, you right. still get the little bits of it, but it's not as overt of a plot point as it is in the graphic. Peppered in there just enough that people get, oh, I think they, this they, isn't okay. In the movie, they haven't hit the real hard note of white purity. Yeah. Which is really in the comic book. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I find the point that you brought up interesting about Breathing Room because it almost feels like it's the opposite of when we talked about Umbrella Academy. Right. Because in Umbrella Academy, we talked about how brief the book was and how the Netflix series really got to be able to get deep down into it, let us know who these people were, and get us Give a custom. Yeah. yeah, and yeah. get us get, get us more character development. Right. And really we, flesh everything out. Right. We cared about all of the characters, whereas we kind of all came to the conclusion in Umbrella Academy that we didn't feel that connection mm -hmm. with those characters. It was just in the graphic novel. Yeah, in the graphic novel, novel right. it was mm -hmm. just the superheroes. Reading the book, seeing the movie again, I haven't seen it in a while, but as you mentioned, today's current political climate, mm -hmm. do you see this movie perhaps and the graphic novel receiving a resurgence in popularity perhaps? I would not be surprised in the slightest. As the picture for talking about today's episode... And if we refer to page 10 of the graphic novel, right? And I quote, Mr. Carroll went on to say that it is the duty of every man in this country to seize the initiative and, and make, make Britain, Britain great, great again. again. And that line, going back and reading it, was just a big, ooh, yeah. oh, oh, right in the heart. On the West Wing yeah. Weekly, another uh, podcast I listened to, they, they refer to that yeah. as Trump III. Yeah, <laughs> right. Uh, is there any of the four of us that did not have a comparison to the Trump administration yeah. somewhere in their notes? Oh, no, not here. Let me let me add another. <laughs> so there was a, a quote in the movie that said that there's a guilt that's laid on the public for their passiveness in allowing the government to control them. Mm. People shouldn't be afraid of their government. The government should be afraid of its people. Yeah. Going down that particular rabbit hole, I think we can start talking about, you know, the people out in Montana who yeah. have all their guns because it's their right, but they're stockpiling them against the government. Right. That gives them the right to have guns. Absolutely. Even moving on from that, you look at the idea that currently, and this will air sometime in early 2020, so who knows what will happen then. Mm, true. Right now, our president's going through an impeachment that he is 100% fighting against. Yeah. So 
It's one branch of the government fighting against another. So when people talk about the government, are you talking about the executive branch? Are you talking about the judicial branch? Are you talking about the legislation branch? So at that point, we actually have our government is fighting each other. Yeah. We thankfully have not gotten to the point that they got to in the movie and the novel of having that totalitarian figure on top. Yet. The- <laughs> yeah. Yet. Theoretically, the wheels of government still kind of work. So we're thankfully not to that point. I'm happy for that. <laughs> well, and in this case, it's funny because Alan, I hate everything more, yes. is, is a famous pessimist. But even he said, in the graphic novel, it took a nuclear war. Yeah. In the movie, it took a war, it took a terrorist attack, and it took a disease. Yeah. Well, the disease and the terrorist attack are effectively the same. Right, right. Right. But in the graphic novel, it's a nuclear war. Like, at one point, they say just Africa is gone. There is no Africa anymore. When you're looking at it that way, and they actually go pretty deep into what life was like when the government fell. Because there was a period where the British government falls, and it is anarchy, and it is chaos. And this is the regime that came up and saved everyone, which is not how it was placed in the movie. There is a little bit of sympathy in that way in the graphic novel. It's in addition, this fascist regime can say, but you owe us. Yeah. And so I think that element was just missing from the movie. So it was, and we let Nazis come up and it's all your fault. I think the counterpoint to that is, yeah, in the the graphic novel, they seize power because there's a vacuum. Right. And in this, they do just enough to get voted, which I think is, that's where you get sort of the neoconservatism problem is, oh, we want all the white people to be on top. I think there's something slightly more insidious to make it a little more palatable or at least understandable to a general movie-going audience of outside of power being seized, it's the power being given. That's the real tweak in the movie is the people gave them the power. They thought it was a good idea. And you have this person coming along saying, oh, hey, we can fix this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know people are dying. We got the cure. Just vote us in. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. Exactly. Until it wasn't fine. Exactly. And then it was too late. Yeah. And by that point, they couldn't do anything. Well, they thought they couldn't do anything. Yeah. So. Yeah. (laughs) Bringing that up, actually, that's another difference between the graphic novel and the movie. In the graphic novel, the person that puts on the mask, the person that becomes V. Yes. Is Evie. And Evie starts to go and she chooses a person to try and perpetuate this. And the idea is if one person can be assuaged, then many can be. In the movie, it kind of skips that step and it goes straight to the populace is the are the ones that are putting on the mask. There is a bit of that where Evie goes to Finch and says, Do you like music? Like basically But he actually says in the movie kind of said the same thing, but it really gets glossed over in the rest of the scene, where, you know, if I can convince one person, then maybe it'll spread on to other people. I remember that scene, and I actually have a note and a question for another thing that's brought up in that scene, but let's hold on this for a second. What is the better choice there? David, you talked about making it to a mass appeal audience. Do you think the choice to have the public become involved in it, to become a revolution? We look at this movie, this graphic novel, and then we look at Anonymous, which very famously has taken on 
the guy the, fox the guy symbol. fox symbol directly related to this yeah yes but it was not because of the graphic novel it was in direct correlation to this movie yeah I, because the public puts on the mask yeah. so it's everyone that speaks to how the media is consumed because in a graphic novel unless you're doing something like this where we're getting together to talk about it right. or you're doing like a comic book club or something it is much easier reading it to sympathize with one person getting taken on that jury because you become that one okay. person if you're sitting in a movie theater full of people and then at the end you get all of these people coming together that feels i think much more like a shared experience you are experiencing this groundswell of all of these people with all of these other people while it is happening which i think makes them go along with the journey a little Kind of like the scene in The Dark Knight with the boats. Yeah. Why that was extremely powerful, where there was a boat full of convicts and a yeah. boat full of Normies. Pe normal people, yeah. and neither of them pressed the button to kill the other. I'm seeing what you're saying, and that yeah. is interesting to me, is that for a wider audience, for something like a movie, yeah. you're going to want to bring the masses in. Yeah. So I have a question, actually, that ties into what you were just saying about Anonymous. They've taken on that image, that persona, the Guy Fox mask. Do you think that in our current political climate that masks are an issue or will become more of an issue, specifically in the vein of Antifa, Proud Boys? We were talking about the resurgence of V, the new Joker movie that just came out, and people starting to take on clown masks. The Watchmen series that is about to pop up is: Are masks going to be more of a thing well, that pop up in this political? And Hong Kong, everything that's going yeah. on over there right now too. On a superhero podcast, why would you say something so true and yet so great? <laughs> <laughs> Do you think this is something that's gonna we're gonna see more of? Are we gonna see more? Just Absolutely. mass vigilantes, mass I'm surprised we haven't seen more of it mm -hmm. yet. The, I mean, masks have been outlawed in Hong Kong yeah. since the protests began for that very reason, because the people who are protesting can't be identified, and that's the whole point. Well, yeah, on top of it, with you know, at this current date with Halloween showing up and all this yeah. other fun stuff happening, yeah, how messed up is you know life here going to get? We'll see. Yeah. I mean, it's masks have always been a thing, but I find that I think we are on the precipice of the fascist regime or cyberpunk. Like, really, <laughs> we could go either way. With Why the way, not both? Right. Well, because the government <laughs> would not cede control to corporations overtly. Uh -huh. Like, they'll just take their uh -huh. money. Wait a minute. <laughs> they'll take I their mean, money and be a fascist government. Have you met Donald Trump? Have yeah, you seen Trump Tower? What's going on? But right that's now? all about Trump. At what point is he saying, you know, he couldn't even get the CEO of Apple's name right. Mm -hmm. He called him Tim Apple. Mm -hmm. So sure. that doesn't happen in the cyberpunk world because that puppet then dies yeah. or <laughs> goes off screen and you never see them again. You know, ah, it, the Greek way to kill someone. Uh, yes, indeed. Ex exit have stage left. Yes. I just want a chorus at my funeral yeah, to right. sing about whatever happened to me. That's fair. <laughs> but they have to be wearing masks. That's the only right. way. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. No, full full well, Greek chorus. They're going to be full body masks. We're all going to be singing Muppet songs. That's so fine. I'm having <laughs> yeah. a Viking funeral. So that's oh, that's fair. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Greek chorus, Viking funeral. So, Nothing big. You know? No, no, no. <laughs> a, a small little affair. Right, yeah. right. 
you were a theater nerd. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, to, they do pay me to do it. So, yeah, yeah. To out you yeah, in the yeah. uh, biggest way possible. I'm curious what everybody thinks about this quote that was in the comic book, but sadly not in the movie. They've forgotten the drama of it all. You see, they abandoned their scripts when the world withered in the glare of the nuclear footlights. I'm going to remind them about melodrama, about the tuppenny rush and the penny dreadful. You see, Evie, all the world's a stage, and everything else is vaudeville. And at that point, we discussed a little bit, V is in his regular outfit through the entirety of the movie. There are a couple points, mostly comedic, or, you know, he's still working his agenda, but he will wear a vaudeville outfit that is yellow and black striped. Well, and the, the vaudeville was, I think it only came up the, the one other time, but it, it seems very specifically for Prothero. Yes. Because Prothero, I think, gets, in the in the graphic novel at least, the most elaborate death. Because V has the whole setup for him, dragging him through all this, like actively kidnapping him. The vaudeville shtick for Prothero, it's subtle, but when he goes to kill the bishop, he's got the little devil horns on his yes. hat, which I thought was a lovely touch. Oh, I missed that. Yeah, yeah. When he takes off his hat, and there well, are two also, little devil horns. He also quotes the Rolling Stone. Yes, yes he did, I did catch that. Yeah, uh, I caught in it, like all the rest of the biblical references and everything else that was in there. Yeah. I caught all that stuff, but I did miss the, the well, art for the horns. And I the, feel yeah. like the movie was being made. That was a choice, a conscious choice that was made because it was meant to be dark it was meant to be v was meant to be even though he became a sympathetic character at the end of the movie he was meant to be dark and menacing and sinister and so i think that the moving into that vaudeville there was enough given in the in the graphic novel that they didn't have time to do that kind of a thing that kind of a I don't know, because even in his introduction, the monologue that I will not even attempt to do, I did a little bit of it at yeah. the beginning of the show, but his, what, four-minute oh, V-words yeah. yeah. monologue. I love alliteration. That is <laughs> oh. beautiful. It's beautiful. Yes. beautiful. Actually, there's an audition coming up for a murder mystery thing. I want to learn that speech and make that my monologue that I audition with. Yeah, I know people, oh, I know people awesome. after the movie came out, I know people were using that for auditions. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, Why wouldn't you? Yeah. It's a beautiful piece. I think that translates into, in the movie version at least, V retains some of that theatricality just in a different way. Yes. Because yes. yes. there's most of the lines that they used in the movie were, did not come directly from... No. But some of them did. Weird them parts did. were... Yeah, because actually, there's a lot of parts from that initial uh, that initial soliloquy that are just, like, chapter headings from the yeah. different parts of the graphic novel, where, like, one of the chapters was titled Vox Populi. Yes. Which yeah. the only time he ever says that is in that soliloquy in the beginning. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's pretty interesting. When we're talking about parts that are cut whole cloth from the graphic novel, the one that stuck out to me, and it's interesting, but the one that stuck out to me is the scene with the doctor. Yep. Where he goes to kill the doctor. That is panel for panel, yep. word for word. Yes. One of the only things that I noticed is 100% genuine to the comic, which is interesting to me. Well, that and the bishop's death. The only major change is that E.B. doesn't escape at the end. Except the bishop's death, 
is done with the recording that they use later when yeah. he the when actual he scene the, where yeah. the scene where he's killing him is almost like he throws in a couple they throw in a couple extra lines in yeah. the movie. But right. we're but talking about general tone. Now right. yeah. later on in the graphic novel they flash back to it and show you the other bits and pieces of right. like as they're discovering what happened with the recording. Yeah. But right. they're still like I was really surprised with this graphic novel that as different as it is there are so many elements that just kind of got, you know, swapped around. Like this happened before this, or this changed here. Actually, one of the biggest things that I was kind of amazed at is that the graphic novel has a lot more sex, whereas the movie is actually, when you break it down, just a love story. Which, yeah, that's weird. So that actually brings me to another point. Let's talk about Evie. And let's talk about the differences and why the movie did what it did, which I think we all understand why. For those who have not met, read the graphic novel, Evie is 16 years old in the graphic novel. Well, she's 16 and she's alone. Right. Um, yeah, absolutely living on her own. Yeah, she's living on her own. Her mother mother died. Her father got taken away because he used to be a socialist. Yep. Uh, she doesn't have the brother in the graphic novel. No. No, no she's no, an only child. Yeah. Uh, but she's short on money, and so the opening scene, much like the beginning of the movie, with Prothero doing his thing, and the thing, the thing that I love about Prothero in the graphic novel versus the movie is in the graphic novel he's much more NPR. Yeah, he is. Absolutely, it's true. And he's the, the Terry Gross of fashion. Yeah. Yeah. And, and in the movie, it's very much like you expect him to be yelling about. Uh, oh, he's Rush Limbaugh in the damn movie. Or chemicals turning the frogs game, like Alex. Yeah. Like, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, Alex Jones. Alex Jones, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, so so much more Alex yeah. Jones. But yeah, so yeah, you get Evie, who's 16 years old, and she's going out to try to prostitute herself because she's like, oh, you know, I've heard some of the other girls did it. And she has the same encounter with the Fingerman. Well, except she walks up to a yeah. man and is like, would you maybe like to yeah. be having the sex with me for money? Yeah. And he's like, uh... <laughs> I'm just going to have sex with you anyways. Right. And then kill you. And, and now yeah. But he also literally says, and I'm going to kill yeah. Me and my friends are going to have sex with you and then kill you. Yeah. And then V shows up and, you know. Right. Like, the, I don't think there's any way this movie would have flown if she was a 16-year-old, would-be prostitute. Oh, no, absolutely not. Right. Or if they had, the get-go. Yeah, it, or if they had, this is this would have been showing in art house theaters. Like, right. mm-hmm. that that distinction right there is... It, it would have been a much longer movie because you would have to go from that arc to make her more, to make her a sympathetic character. Yeah, I would because, say it would work with Natalie Portman, though, because the professional. You know, yeah. you can pull yeah. that, that... And Natalie really? Portman had even said that there were some parallels between right. her character's journey from the professional right. and this. Right. Um, and I think it also helped too that she's just she still has a really youthful face. Yeah. So I think that 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 sort of youthful innocence still translates, but I right. we can probably safely say she's in her what mid twenties in this oh, movie. Yes. Not any yeah. older than 30, I would Right, imagine. yeah. Um, and, and by the way, for those of you who are fans of Lonely Island, if you know the Natalie Portman rap, that was done during the filming of this movie because that's why she's she has her head shaved. Yep. And so when this movie was released, she was 24 years old. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So we, we, we could probably say so she's, she's about that same age. Yeah, so she's eight years off of The Professional? Professional is late 90s? Um, or yes. Leon? 
Yeah. For anyone that wants yes. to get really bitchy about it. <laughs> Unfortunately, pedantic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But but yeah, I think immediately aging her up even just that little bit makes her much more palatable to the general movie-going audience. And I, I don't think it's a bad change. I mean, right off the bat, you end up figuring out that her motivations for leaving are different. Yes. Because I don't think she's necessarily worried about money within the world of the movie. Um, but then, yeah, she's not making enough money at, what is it, munitions factory? Right. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And so it's like, well, time to go sell myself. Uh, right. Uh, but then that immediately right there also takes a whole other topic of discussion because we have to talk about Dietrich and all of that. Like, there's there's lots of little character changes that go happen. for it. Uh, well, because in the in the beginning of the movie, she's going to go see Dietrich. Yes, because he has to maintain the illusion of being, you know, a swinging bachelor. When he is, in fact, a closeted gay man who loves bondage and has a copy of the Koran. Uh, right. Also, much, much better character development in the movie yeah. than in the comic book. Well, and it's Stephen Fry. I was going to say, yeah. Yeah. how can you not <laughs> right. love Stephen Fry? Exactly. Dietrich's function is still the same in both. Like, he is a graphic novel. He finds her rummaging through the garbage, but takes a sympathetic stance towards her, takes her in, they ultimately have a, a bit of a physical relationship. Right. But he's also taking her down to the strip club where these other characters who never appear in the movie, because again, there's only so much time and you can only have so many people. Right. Cause that, at that point you're talking about Mr. Allman and his wife. Yeah. Although speaking of that strip club, there is a bit when you're watching the background of the panels where you see like some, like one of the dancers come out in a V mask and they're doing a whole little thing where, where V is one of the, the dancers. Yeah. yeah which is echoed beautifully in Dietrich's scene on his TV show, which ultimately gets taken away by the finger. Man. Yes. I think he's naive in both ways, in both mediums, because in the graphic novel, he's selling liquor, which that's the other thing. You have scenes in a bar in the movie. Yeah. They haven't shown that the government has outlawed liquor, or at least has put a, like a really hard control on it. Yeah. Because the only people that you see drinking liquor in the comics are the the government. Yeah. And Gordon is selling illegal alcohol. He is naive in the way that he is selling that. He's naive with his relationship with Evie yeah. and everything. I think it's more tragic in the movie because Gordon is, at one point after he, he has the whole scene where he has the basically Benny Hill sketch, which yeah. is amazing. Oh, yeah. He says, what are they going to do on the top-rated person i'm like you are, you do not understand the fascist government that mm -hmm. you are working with yeah like there is no way you understand this at all they're yeah. obviously fabricating every other aspect of the news they right. fabricate your death yes yeah dietrich is probably one of the biggest changes to a character but still ultimately serves the same function of being a place of refuge before evie inevitably gets captured again by v and taken down for her torture which again is you were talking about a note for note recreation? Evie's whole torture scene in the yes, in the graphic yes. is played out note for note in the With movie. With different connotations, though, because to do that to a sixteen-year-old girl, Evie is different because Evie trusts V implicitly in the graphic novel from the beginning. He is saving her. Yeah. In the movie, she is she's a hostage. Yeah, which which which, which leads to her leaving at the priest scene yeah. and trying to warn him and everything else and trying to ask forgiveness 
in the graphic novel, she goes back with V and then basically is like, you you killed him? How how could you do that? Yeah. And he's yeah. like, um, well. But then she even says, I'll still work with you, just no more. Killing. I will yeah. not kill. Yeah. I will not help you kill anyone else. Whereas in the movie, they actually address that because she says, you killed uh, Prothero. Yeah. yeah. And he says, I probably killed the fingermen that were attacking you too. Yeah, but I didn't hear you complaining then. Yeah. I, yeah. yeah. Which, in the graphic novel, she does not witness him killing them because it's an explosive device yeah, that he leaves that goes after. That's yeah. Another big difference between the graphic novel and the movie is that the movie is definitely has put in more action, more violence yes. than you see in any of the graphic novel yeah. anywhere. You see people standing here in this panel. Next panel, you see V running in. The next panel, you see just people on the ground and V running past. Right. So, like, you don't get the level of violence in the graphic novel that you do yeah. out of the movie. And I think right. that, again, plays to digestibility and getting butts in. It's the, what the Universal movies used to do. An idea that if you bring Dracula in mm-hmm. and you have a victim... And Bella Lugosi walks in, and he's staring, and he opens his cape, and he moves in towards the camera, and you cut. Whatever you imagine he did to that person is going to be worse yes. than whatever you can uh, put on screen. Hey, a lot of the violence in in the movie was the aesthetic of the Wachowskis. So the um, gouts of scarlet blood flying everywhere... That was very much a choice. That was an aesthetic. Yeah. It was, um, you know, like the the slow motion, fluid movements of a John Woo movie. That is a hallmark of the Wachowskis. It's one of the things that they do. In well, and especially the in the these final scene in the subway, because they, mm-hmm. they speak to it when they're going through the doctor's diaries about how V is an exceptional physical specimen because mm-hmm. of the, the anomalies in his blood, but yes. it's also like whatever they've done to him has made him more than more than. And that whole scene at the end of the subway, I think goes to really illustrate that because everything switches into slow motion and you see guns falling out and V is just operating at a higher level than all of these people. Well, you watch the size yeah, and moving see, through the air in yeah. slow motion. Yeah. yeah. And only one person gets to reload. Yeah. That's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He kills and then, a lion. And then he gets a knife in his head. Bam! Well, two people because Creedy, Creedy still did. Oh, Creedy is just a slime ball in both of them. Yeah. Oh. Right. It's That's true. Not really that different. No. In either medium. Well, and... I was really happy that they stole... Or that they stole... They, they grabbed the line... The karate gimmicks? It, yeah. The, <laughs> and we have guns. And, like, they took that... Yeah, you have happened. knives and yeah. karate moves. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we have... And I have Fancy gun. karate moves. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Not karate. just karate Fancy yeah. karate. Yeah, no, that was... Oh, you think Going back so. and rereading it, that was one of those lines that left out, but it comes out so much sooner Yes, in, the, yeah, in yes. the graphic. The structure of the government officials is largely the same. One of the biggest changes that they had was that the character of Conrad Heyer, who is the eye in both, he has his own subplot going on where he is henpecked, for lack of a better word. He's, he's an emotionally abused spouse who his wife is trying to put up against Creedy yes. as the new leader because they both know that somebody's going to off this guy sooner or later. Yeah. yeah. I and think he's also kind of a counterpoint, though, to Mrs. Almond, who was also in the graphic novel. Yeah, nowhere in the movie. Nowhere in the movie, but you have 
both of those to show that both it's the fault. sexes can be yeah. the abused or neglected spouse. Well, and I think it's the the fallout of the game, for lack of a better word, that's playing out around them. Right. But Conrad says four things in this whole movie because you only ever see him mm-hmm. in the the panel scenes with the Chancellor. But he, and he's immediately deferring to yeah. whatever's happening. Yeah. So he's there, but he's he's not there. Right. And so you get. Creedy being his own gross self throughout the whole movie. Oh yeah, Brian Etheridge, who again, we only ever see in the the panel scenes with the Chancellor. Right. Again, he's there, I think, mainly just for the sake of completion. Well, that's the other part. The Chancellor primarily just appears on a screen. Yeah, in the graphic, he's much more accessible because he's visited for so many scenes. That's a whole other thing. But yeah, the Chancellor isn't squirreled away because they're afraid of somebody getting to him. Right. If people regularly go and talk to him while he's sitting there, you know, jerking off at the supercomputer. Right. Um, I, honestly, though, I don't know that they did a bad job with the visualization of the oh, Chancellor. Oh, no, 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 There are a few scenes here and there where people actually go in and talk to the Chancellor, but by and large, the Chancellor is going to be seen on the other yeah. side of a monitor. Yeah. And I that is pretty much after, after reading... You know, I've read, I saw the movie well before I ever read the graphic novel. But now seeing, after having read the graphic novel, I'm like, yeah, that's kind of exactly what I expect to have had happen. Is that somewhere along the lines in general counsel, all of his lieutenants are basically going to be sitting there and watching this big ass monitor with essentially, you know, your Christian-esque paraphernalia all over the walls going, yes, England prevails. Right. You know, get the hell out of here, do my bidding. For the sake of brevity, they left out the whole Chancellor supercomputer love yeah, affair. Yeah, which again is, I, I don't think, something that would have played well. Right, but I think that they kind of had a nod to it by only showing the Chancellor, well not only, but primarily only showing the Chancellor on a monitor. You had to interact with the supercomputer mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. communicate with the yeah. Chancellor in the movie. And I thought that that was good. But it also was a way to make him larger than life mm-hmm. and menacing. Because every time there was a meeting, that screen was massive. Right. It was like a movie theater screen. Yep. And then they were in the right. dark. It was all white behind him. and Big were, giant head. Exactly. And there were many aesthetic choices made there to make him dominant oh, yeah. and m- more important. Going back to Mrs. Almond a little bit and going back to the Chancellor, and talking about sort of the fallout of what's happening around everybody, because the Chancellor gets a much different ending in the graphic novel, because he gets Ronald Reagan, but successfully. By Miss Almond. By Mrs. Almond. Mrs. Mrs. Almond, yeah. yeah. And Conrad ends up getting killed by V. And his wife is just like, oh, you dumb son of a bitch, and she just turns the camera on and watches him die. This is one of those things that, when you can watch all the threads play out a little differently in a graphic novel, it's a lot easier to go, okay, this goes this way and this goes this way. Right, and in the graphic novel, Filch is insane on drugs and just like wanders off. (laughs) Well, and I came into that scene when I I got here before we recorded today. Oh, fun fact, the three names that come up when he's looking at the one who gave his Beretta a blowjob and et cetera, et cetera, those names are all the other conspirators in the Guy Fawkes plot. Oh, nice. Nice. Didn't know that. That's awesome. Um, but I think Rookwood, that scene with V as Rookwood, fills in for the LSD really nicely. And it also yeah. makes V seem that much smarter. 
yeah. and that much, and I mean, again, it's you know, it's a nice little touch of drama too. Right. And the only time you see him out of his yeah. guy Fox, yeah, right. Well, and perhaps that's also okay. a stand-in for the the vaudeville, yeah, as well. As a moviegoer, we're all like, that's obviously V. We all know that's V. Yeah. That has to be V. Right. How can he not see that mm. it's him? So I think that that's dramatic irony. Yes. But yeah, no, acting, yeah, brilliant. Thank um, you. And V gets to be a little more romantic, mm-hmm. but he gets to again take a slightly different tack, and that's part of that consolidation and streamlining of the story. So the scene with Finch and him as Rookwood is a really lovely moment because it reinforces V being really fucking clever because mm-hmm. he has this whole thing going on in his head that. In the graphic and in the the movie, he parcels out little bits of it, and he will give enough of an answer to right. make Evie happy ish. Satisfied. Well, yeah, but in a way, also, it's it's making the audience satisfied. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In the movie and in the graphic novel, it's kind of V for gaslighting. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, he he is very intentionally cryptic, and I I, I think that probably comes down to. He has picked somebody, but he needs to know he can trust them. Right. And that's... I mean, the stakes are so high at that point yeah. that you, you kind of have to. And the difference that I also saw in the movie versus the graphic novels in the movie, he does apologize. Yeah. He says, I really wish there was any other way that I could have done this. In the comic, he's just like, yeah. oh, yeah, I guess you can be trusted. Yeah. Yay. Yeah, he is... <laughs> He is much more cold in the graphic novel, mm-hmm. which, translating that over into mass consumption, I think if V had been much more like he was in the graphic novel, where he is even more cryptic and has so many more quotes of things that he's throwing around, I don't think there would have been anywhere near as much sympathy. It's actually a theme that we go over continually on this podcast is the likability factor. Yeah. You are a comic book fan. Our first episode was on Avengers versus Ultimates. Mm. And in the Ultimates, none of them are likable. No, like, no. <laughs> no. But they are all great characters. <laughs> right. Yeah. But to a to a comic book fan audience, that's great. Yeah. To a movie audience, that's a little different. Yes. Yeah. Going back to what you were talking about, Rookwood talking to Finch. Yeah. And the movie and thought that went into the screenplay was what you can do in the graphic novel, you can build that you can change people's minds over time with smaller things. Yeah. But this was kind of a grand gesture that they had to do in the movie where it's like, okay, Brookwood says, monitor this guy. I want eyes on him all the time. So they did. Well, you know what happened? So all of the people that actually work for the government watching him, got to understand how creepy he really was. Creepy, creepy. And and then how horrible he really, really was. So he was, without doing anything himself, changing their minds about someone who Mm -hmm. was in a position of power in the government. And who was probably going to be the next one to step up and take over in any instance. V knew that he had a pretty, had a plan to take over. Well, some of that was planting the plan but also some of it was the fact that yes he knows that there is a plan but let me help you that whole scene where he's like a man as smart as you is partially him stroking his ego oh yeah yeah right i know you've got a plan 
Let he's me tell putting, you about yeah. He, he's putting that plan yes. in he's, motion. He's yeah. accepting him. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, yeah. totally inception. And you heard it here first, twenty four hour surveillance on Mike Pence. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need I, that to know. No, I don't want to know what... He could be pervy pens. There's alliteration. Ooh. I love Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I need to drink more. Yeah, well, right. Anyone that calls his wife mother. <laughs> that's a kink. Um, that's a kink right there. I think that it was clever of the Wachowskis to see that there was that grassroots that was taking place in the graphic novel that you needed to do it faster because it's yeah. a movie. And so thought that that was really clever, and it was very subtle to kind of make well, that. It's getting Finch to the same place. Yes. Yeah. Because his general arc, I think, is basically the same. He has a downplayed role. He is the tool that gets the audience where they need to go. Yeah. But he has a downplayed role in the movie, and I'm, I'm okay with that. Yeah. yeah. Well, and Although he has his moment at the end. Yes. Yeah, he has no, his moment where he could stop everything, and he is the tool of the government that decides enough's enough. Yeah. The government is not is done. Right. Yeah. In the graphic novel, he's the one who shoots V. Yes. yes. Like, and that that's the other thing too is getting to the subway scene at the end. You know, in the movie, it's this wonderful giant action piece that is, a, I think, a, a lovely send off for V because he gets this one last. Right. He, he gets a hill to die on. Yes. Well, and he knows he's going to. Yeah. If he tells well, Evie, I'm going to go yes. now. Like, but here's the thing. This is how you know that this was supposed to be playing out more as a love story is because the last thing he does before he stumbles his ass back to Evie is he pulls out that armor plate and drops it on the ground. There was nothing like that yeah. in the graphic novel anywhere. Yeah. So in somewhere in the back of that character's head is, I still want to get back to her. Yeah, this is it, the best that I can do, and still be able to pull off what I want to. But the, the, yeah, the romanticism yes. of, the, of the movie. That, that's where we added in that. We're, this is actually a love story. Yeah, movie. he has that line right before he leaves. I'm going to meet my maker and repay him in kind. Yes. yes. So again, he he knows this is the end. But, well, and in the movie, he says the only thing that we have in common is. Both of us are about to die. Yeah. Oh, like that's is, oh, that's such a good moment too. Right. Oh God, I love that. Hugo well, Weaving is so good. In this there, movie. there's also something how that we, I how have we not talked about that? Like, Hugo at Weaving all, yeah. at all so far in this episode. Hugo Weaving in probably his best role ever. It's up there. Oh man. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, there's I, the I, agents. There's uh, Lord of the agents, Rings. Okay, there's Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. You're right. I, I have right. a long and storied history with Mr. Hugo Weaving. Oh, we'll rectify that. I you'll never, you'll never look at a ping pong ball the same <laughs> way again. Listen, I've watched South Park, so I already okay. So you yeah. know, yeah. yeah, yeah. To watch it live action and not on a cartoon is a little different. Okay, with the whole subway scene at the end. Finch, after he goes on his giant LSD trip, and you know he goes to Larkhill and still has that whole. All of a sudden, I can see everything was connected, blah, blah, you know. Well, that, but that, LSD helps. Yeah, yeah, right. And by the way, we've spoiled the shit out of the graphic novel. We apologize. I apologize for nothing. That's um, right. No shame. Basically. That's a theater. Also true. But Finch, I think in a way, gets the drop on him. Yeah. Like, B is prepared because he's always strapped. But, I mean, you know, chucks the knife into his arm and Finch manages to get a few shots off. And that's what turns... His death is so much more... 
I'm not entirely sure, after reading that scene in the graphic novel, that that wasn't planned from the get-go. Because you can't tell me mm. that that man, who has made so many precise kills, has done so many things with those blades, is just going to randomly, a guy that he has the drop on, he has total surprise on, just accidentally puts one in his shoulder and not straight through, like straight into his eye or straight into his heart. So I honestly think that it was the fact that he couldn't commit suicide, but needed somebody else and needed a reason. Well, he has that same sort of fatalism going on. And like, he he knows that the end goal of this is, because he's got his, again, he has the giant train, right? He knows that he, that is his coffin. Yeah. In and the graphic novel, I think it is much more like I'm I am setting this up yeah. for Evie so that Evie has to see me die and take up the mantle. Yeah, I right. think. Because there's no romance between the two of them in no, the graphic no, novel. Well, no. This well, also, whole, this she's thing, 16, right? There's this whole, there's this whole actually, thing. Actually, 17, or actually 18 by the end because he gives, gives, gives him two years. Gives him two right. years. But I think it's the whole thing of this, because they talk about in the beginning how he is not there mentally. Yeah. And I think this is just a whole, his whole mental scheme of putting her as his successor. And to do that, he needs to make her fall in love with him. He needs, she needs to see him die. And then she needs to figure out that she needs to take up the mantle. And I think that whole thing has been orchestrated solely for her, but he yeah. just couldn't do it himself. She had to have some time to go get, you know, like the twenty dozen roses to <laughs> right. yeah. around him on the well, table. Well, no, well, yeah, that's, but she only had to go up like a flight of stairs and over three rooms or something like yeah. that. Yeah, I see and understand, and I would agree with your point. I think the other thing about that too is because at that point he he's said to Evie that what is going on up in the the normal world mm-hmm. is chaos. Yes, and I think that also is playing into that notion as well as like. Guy shows up on the subway. Guy manages to fire off, I think, four shots into him. Right. Gets a blade in the shoulder. Chaos. Right. And then he goes back and he dies. And he he accomplishes his end goal. I think it's stated really nicely in the movie of the world that I am a part of ends tonight. I am not supposed to live in that world. It's the uh, operative from Absolutely. Uh, Serenity. I'm a monster. I'm not building this world for me. I'm not building this world for me. I have no place in it. Yeah. 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 It plays out effectively in both mediums. Yes. Like, V's death, I think, is done well because... And he has to die in both. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. I was thinking about this earlier today, too, was he has a similar end goal in mind like they do in The Crow. He's gotten through all the people Mm -hmm. that are responsible for where he is at. Now he can go. Which, yeah, in both, he's satisfied with that, and for one reason or another, there's just one more step. Some motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's actually, they actually say that in a a line in the movie. Yes. What was done to me was monstrous, and then Evie steps in immediately and finishes with, and it created a monster. Yeah. He does. No, she no. says yeah, right. what was done to you're me right. was monstrous, and she goes, and it, and it created, created a monster. monster. Yeah. yeah, you're right. Which I, I think is a, a lovely way to look at that. But it also means that he understands that he is a monster, yeah. and like we said, yeah. has no place in this world. He right. is here to right a wrong. It's like a revenant. He goes up, he writes a wrong, and he goes back to where he came from, which is dead. Well, I and, love how this season we're doing so many more gaming references. <laughs> well, and and speaking about him being a monster and looping back around to a point we made God only knows how long ago, 
about Evie's realization of how he conducts his business. Because, yeah, in the graphic, it's two kills in before she realizes that he's killing people. Right. Um, and I think making that, as I keep saying, streamlining the story, like, yeah, in the movie, she gets that realization right, right after right. Prothero. Yeah. But that's yes. also when she realizes that, much like in the graphic novel, V will do whatever he has to to get what he wants. Yeah. Right. And at that point, well, in the movie, to... he says it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like, he, he basically lays it out and says, yeah, uh, I'm sorry, not the movie, the graphic yeah. novel. He says, whatever the means that I need to take, I will take yeah. them. I think it was a show, not tell in the movie, because he yeah. takes Evie's ID. Right. And she's like, yeah, I couldn't find my ID last night. Uh, and he asks there? her, would you like a lie or, or the, the truth? truth? I'm so happy we're talking about this. So while we're going, let me ask another one of my questions. We'll go David, Bear, Jen, and then I'll answer. What scene from the graphic novel do you believe should have been in the movie that was not? You're up first. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think from a sheer amusement standpoint, LSD trip at Larkhill would have been fun. However, speaking of Larkhill, actually, I know what it is. Because when they're going through the doctor's diaries. Yes. And they're talking about V. I would not have minded another 20 minutes in this movie if we could have gotten some more exposition on a, little, a couple little things. Because they kind of get to it in the movie. Talking about the man in room five being exceptional. But in the graphic novel, they say, you know, he got to the point where they were letting him keep stuff in his cell. And he yep. was decorating and I, that was actually just the point that I was thinking of myself, yeah. is that I would just like a little bit more backstory, and not necessarily on V himself, yeah. but on the explosion. Why did the explosion happen? Yeah. Because the only but, thing that you get in her diary is the one night there was an explosion. Yeah. In the graphic, you see these little things he has going on in his cell, and all of a sudden they realize, oh shit, he made mustard gas, yes. and he and, made explosives yes, out of... Ammonia fertilizer yeah. and gasoline or whatever. Which like, is also funny because, so, this comic came out in the late 80s. Yes. As a response to Margaret Thatcher. As a child of the 90s, I had access to the internet, and of course, like most people, I downloaded the Anarchist Cookbook. Yeah. It tells you all of that. Yeah. So as I'm reading this, I'm like, oh, nope, nope, you don't want to give him ammonia stuff. Oh, he has ammonia in his cell? Awesome, because all you have to do is add bleach. Oh, look! He started working with cleaning products! <laughs> yeah. They say that his personality shift yes. is a is a byproduct of the experiments that they're doing on him. Which, had that been included in the movie, I think it would have given even more weight to Evie's line than they created a monster. Yes. Because he is a product of what they did to him. And right. even more, he got smarter, he got stronger, he got faster. They, they covered that a little bit in her reading back through, like, when she was monologuing her diary. Yeah. I would have appreciated seeing some of his duties that he got to do, like getting to Ten yes, Roses. Absolutely. Because, like, that... that I totally agree with you 100%. That's the and same actually, that I would have missed. Yeah, that that would be what I would want to include. Is And it's, he, what, less than five minutes worth of movie yeah. added to it would and, have... And at bare minimum, the roses. Yes. At bare minimum, yes. I would yes. love to have seen yes. the yes. roses. Explain the, well, and for some reason, they changed 
the Roses from to, having a V uh, name. Yeah, to Scarlet Carsons. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I don't were, know why. There were Violet Carsons in the, right? There were Violet Carsons Violet, in the... Violet, Violet Carsons, and yeah. for some reason there's Scarlet Carsons, but Violet fits the theme of the V. Yeah, right. And... Crimson fits the the aesthetic of the movie because okay. it's primarily there are other colors, but when you think about that movie, it almost could be black and white, yeah. black and white and red. Yeah, because true, that yeah. is the the important oh. scene. Like oh, yeah, Schindler's a, List. Um, yeah, actually, I was gonna say Sin City, but okay. Yeah, yeah. we'll get to that. Oh, later. I would totally watch a black and white cut mm-hmm. of this. Oh, yeah. right, yeah. with only red. With red. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. the subway scene would be. Great. Yeah. Like when all the guys start getting their throat. Oh, yeah. 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 Great. So, Bear, I'm going to guess that you were in the same Actually, vein. I just had another thought, and I might have lost it. I'm not going to, as much as I would love to double up, and I totally agree with David on the. Um, we, can, we can Eiffel Tower that scene. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. All right. My eyes. <laughs> Don't act like you're not impressed. <laughs> well, at least it's a good foundation, right? No, the thing that I was going to say was the, there was one little detail that I remember now that I was actually a little bit disappointed by the fact that they kept using Tchaikovsky's 1812 Overture mm. because, and I didn't realize it, and I had to look it up just to confirm, in the graphic novel, they used... Da, 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 da. Oh, it's Beethoven's and it's B in, in Morse code. code. It's Beethoven's fifth. They saved yes. that for pre. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It, so it's literally... Da, 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 which is Morse code... Three shorts and a long is V, mm-hmm. and I was just like, that is super clever and really fun, and they could have just worked that in. That would have taken thirty seconds. They they still got back to it because they saved it for Creedy in the movie because they used it to cover up the surveillance. And thing. I totally forgot that they yeah. had actually used it there. But I was going back and doing a little reading about the reception of the movie version, and I, it speaks to the tweaks that they made. But V gets a bit of a comparison to Edmond Dantes in the whole man goes through traumatic event, man changes identity, man gets revenge on mm-hmm. person mm-hmm. who wronged him, and the Phantom of the Opera, because you could make that argument about the phantomy uh, situation where, you know, you've got this mm-hmm. creepy man in a mask dealing with a protege, and instead of sing for me, it's hey, blow a parliament for me. Right. Um, right, but Evie calls out. Yeah. He says, that's your decision, not mine. No, no, no. Evie calls him Dante's at the end mm-hmm. of the movie. Well, it's, I mean, That's the yeah. first name she gives. Finch was like, who was he? And that was actually, thank you for that. That brought me right around to a point that I wanted to make. That's what we call a transition, people. Thank you. <laughs> In the movie, it's very patriotic. It's the end scene when Finch asks Evie, well, who was V? Yeah. And she was like, he's all of us. Yep. We are all V. But that's we also are... the end of the movie as opposed to the comic. Right, it is that's what I'm very saying. patriotic. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Is the film is much more patriotic. The ending is more... A little patriotic. more hopeful. Yes. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like the thrust of the movie is the fascists can't keep us down. Yeah. You know, the terrible people who come to power may hold us down for a while, but they can't persevere. Yeah. You know, we will persevere. We will overcome. That was, I, I what, felt. What scene did you want to see? That, yeah, was it the grab bag? I, I, yeah, I don't know. I think you should go, Josh, because I really don't know what okay. I would want to see in the I, movie. I because, knew mine right. when I made the question. Of course so. you did, because that's why you I know, the because question. I actually just jotted it down, and we had this conversation earlier before we started recording. We did. V's conversation with the Bailey. 
Oh yeah, V's yes, conversation about yeah. how yeah. he loved justice and justice yes. was everything to him. Yes. But she he has left him. her because yeah. he she cheated on him. And I actually have the quote when because he's talking as himself and justice yes. mm-hmm. back and forth, and she says, "Who is she? Who is the whore?" And he says. Her name is Anarchy, and she has taught me more as a mistress than you ever did. Yeah. And that line, I'm like, Which oh. chills, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Which actually would have been, in my mind, hilarious thinking about it just a little bit. Like, if he had pulled Evie up to the roof and gave her a script. <laughs> we actually, well, yeah. we had that. That was when we had the conversation. Yeah. He started the movie. We went through the whole thing, and then I was just like, oh, that's right, the Bailey, that's yeah. what Lady they, Justice they, he, he is. He destroys the Bailey first, and then Parliament at the end. In the comic, it's, it's Parliament, Parliament right, off the bat. right away, yeah. then the Bailey, then the Down Chancellor's Down. House. Yeah. Chancellor's, yeah. Well, and... Uh, oh, the Tower. Yeah, because it's the first November uh, 5th. Jordan Tower. Yeah, because yeah, the first November 5th is Parliament right off the bat. It's a couple months later, and he does the Bailey. And then it's the next November 5th when he destroys the tower. No, no, no. It was no, two. It was actually because oh, yeah, he gives yeah. them two years. Well, and it was also later. It wasn't on the same day. Like, that was right. the one thing that I remember distinctly is seeing the dates in the graphic novel. The tower is on the 5th, and it's a couple days after that when he yes. takes his funeral train. And, yeah, and that was the thing. is like, I appreciated the symbolism more in the movie because yeah. he actually did it on the 5th as opposed to you know, waiting a day or yeah. two days or whatever and right. doing all that. In the movie, it's one year. Mm. The the yeah. beginning of the movie to the end of the movie is one year. Yeah. The comic book gives a little bit more, but I wish that they had also added that into the movie because V puts the impetus onto the public and says, you have two years. Yeah. You know, you have two years to get rid of this fascist government, whatever, in his address that comes from the news. And they don't, really in the comic, the public doesn't yeah. do a whole lot. Until the end. Yes. When, Until the very end. When Evie takes, up, her, takes yes. up the mantle and says, listen, fuckers. Right. Time to do something. Right. But V himself in the movie accomplishes that really nicely by apparently having the best seamstress in the world at his disposal. Or or the greatest, like, mid-90s Amazon. Yeah, right. Well, okay, 2008. Let's, let's you be know. fair. He, all he did, all he did okay. was, was Christian Bale his mask. Remember? Let's, yep. go, let's go back to Batman Begins. We'll, we'll have to buy them in large quantities to avoid suspicion, you know. Yeah. 10,000 at least. And That's all he did. You buy enough of them, and everybody's just going to be like, oh, somebody's selling masks, but and he, they're making money in it. But yeah, his end goal gets accomplished concisely in the movie, because yeah, he sends the masks and capes and the wigs and everything out to everyone. everyone. Yeah. And so he gets his he gets his chaos, because at that point, you know, not giving them, like, making the movie only a year is a little nice in that way, in that it has to stay fresher in their minds. Two people... I don't know if you caught this, show up at the end of the movie when everybody's pulling yeah. off their masks. There's the girl that was shot. Yes. Well, no, the girl that was shot. Um, and Gordon. Gordon's there. And, and, and uh, Ru- no, uh, Valerie. 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 Yes. Valerie and her There's a mess of people, actually. Oh, I yeah. didn't realize that Valerie was And her girlfriend. Yes. Valerie and her girlfriend yeah. were there. So all of the people oh, who I didn't catch those two. died yeah. 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 still alive. Well, no, they were not still alive. They also, were... it's, it's, 
It's the symbolism. Yeah, right. It's, it's everyone. everyone. Right. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Also, speaking of people who showed up but were not dead, Roger Dasko makes it through the whole movie. Not in the graphic novel. He gets off the, the, uh, the TV station. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. I was going to bring that up because Dascom, I enjoyed that character in the movie far more. I mean, he had a purpose in the graphic yeah. novel. But it was just like, you are that guy in the, in the movie. Yeah. You know, he, he's the one that's like trying to defuse the bomb in the TV station because do you know how do you know? Long, do you know how long and how much how long it would take to rebuild this building? <laughs> I love it. It's such that's, a like that's corporate. A, yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. That's your cyberpunk, right? Mm. 100%. That's the guy like, that like is the cyberpunk. Can you imagine trying to rebuild all these matrix nodes? Yeah. <laughs> So, does anybody else have any questions left? Did, did you come up with a scene, Jen, or are you going to abstain from that oh, one? Oh, I'm go- going to abstain, because I, I, I liked, you. I loved the LSD trip. Yeah. That would be fantastic. <laughs> would be difficult to do, Yeah. unless you went, you know, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, which was very good as far as an mm-hmm. LSD trip, but had no place in this movie. Sure, sure. But I also like the scene with uh, mm, discussing with justice. justice. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that is a great scene. Yeah. I can tell the director had to make a choice. It was V bringing Evie up to the building to talk to her. You have Evie walking out, Fingerman grab her, V saves her, V says, let me take you to this. Mm-hmm. You would have to break that mystique to the beginning where V is talking and he's still, to justice he at the beginning look, of the movie. Yes, and he needs to look like a madman, but not that much. Like, we yeah, can't automatically right. put the Lady Justice scene into that beginning. Right, because in the graphic would, novel, it's yeah. far enough through that you're like, oh, you're away. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. I have two things. One, because I know you and I are both Assassin's Creed fans, yep. I wanted to read you this poem that appears on page 202 of the graphic novel. It's very short. Roses are red, violets are blue, everything's possible, nothing is true. Which... Are made, you kidding me? Yeah, no, that's that. How did, How did I miss that? Yeah. Clinky. Oh my god. Yeah, I am the world's apparently second hugest Assassin's Creed fan. I just, I read that and I got a chuckle. Do we want to address fate... Because that's like a major plot point in the, the comic. Well, that, well, at I this mean, point, we, we really have spoiled everything for the yeah, graphics. I mean, we so. kind of talked about it as like, well, you have the voice of fate with with Prothero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but he does not. He's just called the voice. Yeah, it's true. Right. He is no, not. He's called, actually called the voice of London, as I recall. Right. Yeah. You're right. I mean, it is it is Prothero. They have to removed them. fate entirely because that does add. A little bit well, more. Well, V's reveal that he has access to the computer and has been screwing with the leader is pretty from amusing. From day one. Yeah. yeah, basically. Well, the computer says, I love you, and the leader goes, Susan goes on his hole. Right? He's right. Yeah. like, wait, yeah. did you see that? Did and anybody that else see that? is definitely jerking off at that computer. Like, <laughs> that is happening. Listen, I honestly didn't get the, out of this that, you know, we were having a... This was all of a sudden. Her, I'm just telling you, like he's, the movie Her didn't just happen. He's adding a new port. <laughs> oh no, I, no, you that, did that not. That is not what I got out of this, but okay. Not. <laughs> oh, I, I, I saw a little more emotional and range see. and development, but uh, okay, that, I'll, I'll go with the game. HD and I. Uh, <laughs> oh. 
Wow, you just said that. <laughs> oh, I'm not editing it out either. No, no. I run this bitch. Yeah. While we were watching the movie today, there was, and we're going to end on a down note, because there was a line where V says, a building being destroyed can start a revolution, or can be a revolution. This was 2005, Five. four years after 9-11. Yeah. So let's talk about flipping the script, 9-11 implications. Well, and I think that's any sort of thing like that. I mean, you look at that, obviously, but you also get things like the Oklahoma City bombing, which you can obviously argue into that. Right. You get anything in the Middle East that got destroyed that was a con- The, the and- fight in the bombings over Jerusalem? Yeah. Any kind of you know physical we, structure that yeah. has any kind of well, iconography. We is, love this city, and this city is so important to both our of our religions. So we're gonna bomb the shit out yeah. of it. Like, but I mean, like in the Middle East, you you are getting these historical locations. I mean, outside of Jerusalem, but any place that was like a contrary religious mm-hmm. place of importance that they were just demolishing. The thing that comes up, and especially like you're talking about flipping the script, is the hero and the villain is only a matter of who you sympathize with. Right. And big and no theme in comics. No yeah. one's the villain it's, in their own story. But that's the reason that Magneto can become a good guy. Yeah. It's the reason that in current X-Men comics, Apocalypse is a good guy. Wait, what? Well, in... Uh, in There's a reason I don't read comics, apparently. In, uh, <laughs> you do read comics for this podcast. Justice League Odyssey, Darkseid was in the Justice League. Right. Thank you for bringing a DC aspect. It's to, you uh, and Cat Esman are the only two that are going to... I mean, we are, we are in Vertigo. Yeah, we're, we're still reading Vertigo. Okay, and I, and I have stated you know before, Vertigo is not DC. All right, <laughs> listeners, I promise you... We are going to have both a Superman and a Batman conversation at some point in the future, so just be prepared for that. It looks like I'm coming back. David will at least be back for the Batman conversation. There has been no media that I know of that can fit the Superman comics that I like, but I will I will issue the open challenge, and maybe we'll have Dave and Kat <laughs> here for the whatever Superman Let's show say, that we Superman's do. Superman's going to be ugly. We have be stated on this podcast several times that Superman was boring until he died. Hey, can I bring it back to V for Vendetta? All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's Thank do you. that. Uh, to answer your question, I think that it was an interesting perspective for the filmmakers to do that movie when they did. And include that line. And yeah. include that line. Because it's not wrong that icons and Buildings tend to be iconic Mm -hmm. within cultures. When you destroy that icon, it it can cause many things to happen. It can cause revolution. It can cause people to rethink what they thought was true. It can cause people to rally behind a cause. What happened to you, longtime resident of Chicago, when they renamed the Sears Tower the Willis Tower? You mean the Sears Tower? But what would happen if the Willis Tower was attacked? If the Sears Tower was attacked in yeah. Chicago, yeah. that's yeah a source yeah. of pride or like Wrigley Field. Yeah. Let's look at let's look at these hey, things. Hey, look, all you over know the they world. already 
had a, a UFO land on Soldier Field. I think that <laughs> we have been able to take things in stride. A UFO did not actually land on Soldier Field. That's Were you there? You weren't like. there. You don't know. So we're talking about aliens in a Natalie Portman vehicle, isn't it just Thor? Mm-hmm. Well, Thor, Thor is an alien in Natalie Portman. Oh, That's... well, okay. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, yeah. Woo! I think I said on the air. Back to terrorism. Back. Would so, you like some random trivia about the movie? The sure. Yeah, we would love it. Like, give, us, up a little. Yeah. give us random trivia. Here's some random trivia. The domino scene where the Hugo Weaving tips over black and red dominoes to form a giant letter V involved 22,000 dominoes. It took four professional domino assemblers 200 hours to set it up. And you know what? That was one of the things that I really entertained by that they had both, like they took that literally from the graphic novel, but they took it to the nth degree. Because in the graphic novel, it was literally just the circle Mm -hmm. and with the V. Mm -hmm. And in the movie, they were like, we're filling in all the space. V, v was very extra. Yes. Yeah, like, yes, it was. It's a matter of perspective. And I yes. think something like this, if you really sit back and think about it, you can attempt to understand the mindset of the people who are on the other side from us. Because to them, we... We're not guiltless. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 no. I would never make the claim that we are. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I get it. Yeah, I think it can go towards understanding the state of mind of people who we we deem as the enemy. Now, I wouldn't say that we're fascists, but our presence can certainly be seen as problematic Well, to the, people that are being yes. occupied by us. Imposing. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, you know, to somebody, we, like, we are Chancellor Sutler, and they need to get us out of there because all we're doing is making things worse. Right. Despite what we think. And even if we're not making things worse, does it really make a difference? uh, We're just imposing our will where they should just be allowed to do what they want. Well, like they say in the graphic, the land of do what thou will. America prevails. (laughs) (laughs) Don't don't give them fodder. We're going to make Britain great again. (laughs) Right. Uh, Shit's heavy, yo. Shit's heavy. I really wonder who read... V for Vendetta, and told Trump, make America great again. Right. I, God, I really wonder. Because. Somebody did. Yeah. Well, because he didn't think of it on his own. That's for damn sure. Oh, God, no. Well, and that's a a sentiment that I don't think is anything new. I just think it being concisely stated as make America great again is just making a catchphrase. Like, that sentiment Mm -hmm. has been around for ages. Oh, yeah. Right. Absolutely. I believe we are at the end of the show. A good amount of time. More than we've ever done for a show. Thank so yay. You. Um, <laughs> happy to prowl. We will start with Dave. Obviously, this was a one and done. V for Vendetta mm-hmm. was not. It's the only the second. Yeah, we're not gonna get any more of this, but you know, it was it was long running. It started in the late eighties, as I recall. Yeah. The publishing date on the Collected edition. I want to say it was is copyright 1988, 1989. Yeah. yeah, there you go. I'm going to steal a question from the Rewatchables, which is another podcast that people should listen to because it's great. Plug, plug, plug. Yep. <laughs> Would you like to see this as a ten part Netflix series? Oh yeah, or Netflix or Amazon or Hulu. We had covered earlier that they had done a miniseries, which I 
now need to watch Which it. I apparently did not know yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Gonna watch that thing it's now. in development. There it is. Oh, there okay. we are. Yeah. So it is happening. Oh, Bear? wait, wait, wait. Uh, and series writing credits, David Lloyd, who did the graphic art, novel art, and yes. Alan Moore. Oh. Right. Alan Moore's actually working writing. on... Okay, yeah, well. All right, well done. So I, we I, yeah, I was about to say, Jen, uh, we yeah, we're, we're good. Yeah, everybody's good. Whenever that version of it comes out, I don't think there's any way they're going to be able to do it as a period piece like the original was. Because the, 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 oh, the, no. the way that it got written is very much a product of its time, especially with Thatcher. Now, that being said... I'm just going to say, if Moore is working on it now... <laughs> holy yeah. shit. Well, with Moore, you, you translate it up into... Brexit stuff. Yeah. The, the tone you get there is you Absolutely, get yeah. the climate yeah. that leads to Brexit, and you get, uh, again... Oh, I'm sure you're going to get one oh. or a dozen punches to Trump. Oh, yeah. How do you not? Yeah. 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 Absolutely. In the graphic novel and the movie, they talk about how the United States is... Well, it's a leper chaos. colony. It's yeah. complete chaos. Yeah. There the is, uh, yeah. the so, United States of Ass Erica. Right. So, yes. Well, and yeah. they were talking about well, no the United yeah the ulcered sphincter of ass There you go. Yeah. yeah. But even even so, they're still organized enough to send several cargo boats full of wheat and tobacco, which they are going to toss into the bay to do a new tea party. Yeah. That's fair, but still, like obviously in disarray, but there's still some form of government. Well, I will I say mean, that's assuming that that you could believe anything right. that the broadcast obviously yeah. Said. right, yeah. but that's saying the voice of the government, who in our reality is the president and his Twitter, calling for people to incite revolution for aid. Mm-hmm. Man, mean, that hits too close. You mean yeah. like how he called that uh, if I get impeached, there should be another civil war? Yep, yeah. kind of like that. Yeah. Well, uh, we'll be airing this in 2020, so hopefully that's not happening. We're all doomed. Uh, (laughs) So on that note, David, why don't you tell us about uh, some of the stuff you got going on? Plug. Plug, 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 because I know you got 221 stuff going on. Plug, 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 plug. So the the major thing that I have is I have a podcast project called I Am Lost Without My Boswell, and the boilerplate statement is, we are an entirely volunteer-driven effort to produce audio dramatizations of the entire Sherlock Holmes canon. Wow. I'm just pointing at me because yeah. I'm like, I like voices. It's true. I like doing voices. I need I need lots of voices. Okay, so well, 50, you got three at this table. I've so. still got 50 stories to go. Nice. Um, the, the, the crux of it is is that I still get to play Sherlock Holmes after getting to play him on stage back in 2013. And my whole thing is I don't care who you are, where you're from. If you can give me something that doesn't sound like crap, I want you to act for me. So you want to give uh, the people your contact? Yes, you can find us at IamLostWithoutMyBoswell.com. You can search for that on Facebook as well. On Twitter, we are at Holmes Boswell. And I believe we are I Am Lost Without My Boswell on Instagram as well. You can email me at any time if you'd like, holmesboswell at gmail.com. Awesome. No, definitely something that we will be helping with if we can. Oh, and I'm totally down for this. Yeah. Plus, I've got a way better voice than Josh does. <laughs> what? Listen to this baritone. Real close. Real close. Real I guess we'll fight that out at karaoke. You are not (laughs) Christian Bale. Listen, 
I gotta tell you something. What do you want from me, Joker? What do you want from me? Cough drops? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I, w- I would really like to thank you for having me on. Uh, it was... It was a lot of fun to go back and read this again because it had been at least five years since I read it. Well, Jen had been at least since the 90s, so... Yeah, <laughs> um, very long time. But no, it was a lot of fun to go back and, and go through this again. And it was fun getting to talk to everybody. It was no, pleasure having you, dude. Yeah, no, absolutely. We will definitely talk to you about Season 3 stuff. Well, in that case, this has been Josh, Bear, Jen, and David Harnois, our special guest, and... Take it away, Vandello. Come with me. I'll tell a story that you might have heard before. Graphically novel, but the same old trouble. Villains always knocking at the door. Pretty pictures on the page, but nothing ever stays the same. Come at me, and I'll show you something you ain't never seen before. Right or wrong, oh can't we all just get along? My mask is no different than yours. Pretty pictures on the screen, but nothing's ever as it seems. Nothing's ever as it seems. Do, 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 do.